With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show where we focus on sustainability and transportation. I'm Danny Gomez, Managing Director of Financial Emerging Markets at FreightWaves. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dominique Tange, the head of product at Trax, a firm that's really leading the charge in footprinting emissions across transportation. Dominique, thanks so much for joining us today. Do you mind just giving the audience a little bit of background on yourself and Trax? Yeah. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Dominic. Um, I joined Trax one and a half years ago. And um, I've been in the software business for a very long time and in product management for even a bit longer. Um, I always focused on um, on products that actually actually add something to society and actually do provoke some change and uh, attracts us. So a great uh, opportunity to really further the big problem that we're facing all at the moment, and that is the uh, the problem of global warming, greenhouse gases, and uh, doing that in the only sector that is actually growing at the moment still uh, in transportation, that was a big challenge I was very happy to get into. Well, thanks for joining us. And, um, you know, we at FreightWaves have been on the journey for a little over a year trying to dive in as deep as we can to understand what is going on, what is our role um, really in, in in this effort, this global effort to reduce emissions. And I'm glad that you you bring that to the surface. I mean, at the end of the day, we are all here locking arms together to talk about solutions and to bring and surface and to inspire people to do more and to do better. And so in that journey, I think one of the things that we realized early on is that there's just this common mantra of measure first, measure first. And about eight months ago, we did a series on um, the journey to, to reducing emissions. And Gartner has this, you know, pop, this popular pyramid that they put out where um, they show just the first step that really, you really need to do is to measure and understand what your footprint is. And I think, you know, because there's been so much pressure to to be on public and for people to be making claims, um, it has created urgency, which is great, but it also has moved us past, I think, um, the basics in some sense. And so one of the things that we love working with you is that you guys have stayed focused on um, on those specific that that must have, which is understanding um, the problem. I would say trying to right size the problem. Right. Um, and an example of this is a commonly accepted way to understand what your emissions are is to back into it from a transportation spend. Um, we can all understand how that is a very loose and back of the envelope type of uh, calculation. Um, and, you know, I would love for you to dig in a little bit um, and provide some clarity on what, you know, at the end of the day for transportation, we are moving either our own goods or we're moving goods for other people. Um, but the person who's who is responsible for, for, for that transportation move um, 
needs to understand what the emissions are because at the end of the day, we're trying to assign to our businesses what the footprint is for at the very most granular levels. So we can, one, invest in the right areas um, into, like I said, right sides of problems. So do you mind just going through and talking about the fundamentals of what, what is like really GHG accounting? Um, thank you. That, that was already a very good introduction. But um, if I step back a little bit, um, since a couple of years, the, the, the sustainability and GHG uh, accounting has become somewhat of a topic. A couple of years ago, everyone was like, yeah, we should do something, but um, actually it can wait and it can wait a bit longer. And then uh, companies started with um, scope one and two. And uh, scope one is basically all the emissions your company produces with your own factories and with your own assets. Um, scope two is all the all the electricity and energy you buy, for example, heating or uh, or electricity. And um, everyone thought this was enough. Um, and that's easy to do because you're in control of all the assets and you have like very few providers um, that you need to get information from. Um, but then after a while, most companies found out that this is actually, uh, for most companies, this only accounts for a very small percentage of their of their true carbon footprint. So that is why scope three is so important. Scope three includes all the emissions that are done in your name, that are, are, are emitted in your name by other companies or other entities. And here you have the challenge of how do you get the data? How do you get the information? And especially in transport, transport is hugely complex topic. It's a worldwide, it's a global topic with the supply chains. And to get all the parties involved at the table, basically, and exchanging data and making this possible is the, is the largest challenge here also for, uh, for any company. I was going to say, do you mind just pausing there for a second and um, giving an example? I think it's, you know, we have all become more aware of how complex supply chain is. Um, but yet, even still, even, you know, me coming into freight waves, having much more appreciation of really how complex supply chains are. Um, do you mind just walking through an example of all the different parties that are responsible for moving moving the goods from point A to point B and why that makes it so hard for us to, to get data collected? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So in in even a simplified version, it is still you can you can subdivide it in three main groups. On the one side, what we call the shipper. The shipper is every company that has goods that need uh, transportation. That's producing companies, retail companies. Um, so that's almost any company that deals with goods in any form. Then on the other side, uh, we have what we call the carriers. That's all the companies that provide transport that have the actual transport assets that could be, so that could be trucks, that could be vessels, that could be uh, trains that could be any form of transportation um, they would provide. In between, you have a third party or a group of uh, of providers that we call the logistic service providers, and that is everyone who is in the business of connecting the other two. So you see, they get they get the transport orders from the shippers, and they have in their network uh, transport providers. And they bring them together and they organize the transport and they also provide additional services, for example, for harbors, for customs, uh, warehousing, uh, distribution centers, and all these kind of things. So 
that is already very complex. And the second part of comp uh, the, the second part, why is it even more complex, is that uh, the the transportation market for years and years and years has been fragmented more and more. When there were fewer larger companies in the in the 80s, since the 90s, these have been fractured to smaller and smaller self-driving, self-owner, uh, owner-driver companies. And so at least in Europe, 80% of all the companies have 10 trucks or less. So it's really small and really fragmented. In, in capturing that, the emissions, I always think about, especially the stuff that comes from overseas, right? Like you've got it, the different, it goes from the host country, their, the origin, origination com country, it goes from a distribution center there to a truck, a van, to a port, to a ship, to a destination port, offloaded, put on um, a truck, some sort of transport vehicle to get it to, you know, whether it's going under rail or it's going into another truck to another distribution center, and then take it from that distribution center um, into a local, potentially another local distribution center then for final delivery. Um, is the intent to understand and assign emissions for that, let's say, one shipment across from start to finish? Absolutely. So what you're, where you're referring to is what we call internally here is intermodal transports or transport with different legs in just different transport modes. And here, of course, of course, you very often also have different parties involved that provide only part of the, of the shipment, uh, of the, of the transport of the shipment. So sometimes it could be the case that you have information, you have data for one part of the, of the whole journey and less information on the second part and and so on and so on also because it's so international it's so global in very few uh, countries you have very different standards and you have a very different level of um of how evolved is the it in infrastructure what data is actually collected and what data can we get to so if you see if you have some more rural country, it's going to be very much hard, uh, very, very much harder to get like primary data from vehicles other than it would be, for example, in Northern America or in Europe. So let's, let's pause there for a second, because you at Trax were one of the first firms to go through and get a GLEC certification. You talk about the difference, obviously the different capabilities of understanding and having visibility. Um, what is GLEC? Um, and what is it trying to do to organize this effort or this accounting globally? Uh, GLAC stands for the Global Logistics Emissions Council. Um, this is a council that was founded by the Smart Freight Center. The F Smart Freight Center is an industry organization uh, from the logistics space uh, with a lot of members from the logistics space that um, understood that there is a need for a standardized framework for the measuring and accounting of emissions in the in logistics, um, because all of the other frameworks, if you look at science-based targets or greenhouse gas protocol um, um, or a carbon disclosure project, disclosure project, they're all great, and we all need them, and there is great basis, um, but they're not very specific when it comes to logistics. So it's very often some form of standardized values that you can use to multiply with whatever information you have. 
and then try to get at least some number. But this number is rarely connected to reality. So there is some scientific base to it, but it's hard to prove, it's hard to test. And um, this why this is why the GLAC framework was um, was created. It's a lot more specified and a lot more detailed on how you can account for emissions. And so this this is akin to just general accounting, except accounting principles, and extending that into or creating something similar specifically for emissions and transportation. Exactly. So they see themselves and they are. Um, also adhering to the other frameworks that I mentioned before, but they're just detailing it out more and making it more practical uh, in everyday use to actually apply on the realities in logistics. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no-empty-miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. You, you mentioned something that I think um, is important to touch on, which is having rules that fit the data available, like the, the data that you have available to you, right? We talk a lot about the data funnel and how as you get closer to the bottom, you get more specific and fuel consumption is um, is key. Do you mind just describing kind of that full spectrum? What's, you know, I mentioned earlier using transportation spend. I don't know if that's even accepted in GLEC, but maybe it is. Um, but where, like, where does it start? And then where's the most precise data? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the fundamental uh, things in any of these frameworks is it's better to have any number than no number. So at least you have something, you have a baseline and something you can work off of for the future. So I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think transportation uh, spent could be one of them. I'm, I'm not really sure because we never really dealt with that. But so also to break it down into categories in the GLEC framework, there's actually three categories you can use to uh, as a basis for calculation. So one is called the default category or the default calculations. This is when you have very little information. You basically only have basic information about the shipment itself, and that is usually uh, distance, weight, and transport mode. So then you can say, okay, this was so much weight transported over this distance um, by truck, for example, and then you have uh, uh, certain standardized values. You can just multiply and you get a number. Problem here is they are overestimated by design because the GLAC framework doesn't want to punish anyone to go to better data. So if these values would be already an average value without any surplus or excess on it on top of it, there would be no incentive for uh, for companies to move to better information and to better data. So that is, if you want to have the GLEC accreditation, you need to overestimate if you only have very little information. Then there's the second category, and that's what we call modeling. Modeling, there are a lot of approaches to modeling. For example, if you have a bit more information, you know what type of truck it was, you know how full the truck was. Um, you know what type of engine the truck had, or 
you already have some fuel consumption information or some information from the telematic system, but you don't have all the information. Then you can do different approaches of modeling. There's also other, other approaches. For example, if I look at the route and I can see, okay, 10% of the route was in a city and 80% was, uh, was on the highway, then I can also make some assumption and um, get a bit more realistic values than with the default standardized values. But still, it is not reality. Also, in the default and the modeling, if you as a carrier actually become better and more efficient, it won't show up there because you only can make visible the things that you take into account. And this is where the third category actually shines, and that is the primary category. Primary means that we use primary data from the assets, from the vehicles themselves, from the telematic systems of the truck and or other auxiliary information that is available for other vehicles. And here you have the, the real fuel consumption for a given tour. So there is no surplus, there is no standardization, there's no averages, it's the real consumption. And with the real consumption, you can get to the real emissions. Now the trick is, how do you allocate it to the shipments on this transport? Because as we talked about complexity before, also, especially in road, um, the complexity is high because you have full truckload, less than full. You have groupage, you have all these, you can have uh, shipments from multiple customers on one, one vehicle. And all these complexities needed to, need to be accounted for as well. Um, and that's what we found a solution to using primary fuel consumption data from the telematics in the truck and allocating it fairly onto individual shipments in all these complex transport scenarios. And that is what we are, what we got accredited for uh, by, by GLEC and the Smart Freight Center. What is the challenge? I mean, <clears throat> one of the things I think about, right, is no one has full visibility. How do you, in a perfect it doesn't yet seem like the, the system is there to support full visibility. Not, you know, visibility providers are fairly new and they're still, um, they're still growing. Um, not one of, not a single visibility provider has visibility into everything, right? Um, one shipper may use different visibility partners depending on the region. Um, how, how do you think about stitching this together and to, I think to what you said before that it's not perfect there's going to be visibility in some parts of the shipment and there may be less in others um, but maybe just talk through the challenges to I don't know, help help the people who are listening to think through understand where we're at understand kind of where we're going um, and what the current challenges are yeah absolutely so there's it's super super diverse that is the, the 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 first thing that we learned is um, digitalization is not as common in some port, parts of the industry as we had hoped for. In some very small, maybe the mom and pop uh, uh, transport companies, um, there's still the Nokia phone and there's still the fax and uh, there's no transport management systems and they don't use telematics data for anything. And uh, so there will always be a certain part where we won't get information. And if you have um, raw material sourcing, let's say um, cacao from some plantation 
somewhere and they're using a 60-year-old truck uh, they just keep alive, we will never get uh, um, uh, digital fuel consumption data from that. But this is also what is how why the setup of the GLEC framework is actually so smart. Because you can always fall back. If you have less information, you can fall back from primary either to modeling or even to default. And then if you have the system set up right, it will always choose the best available data. And for these parts where you don't have the information, it will fall back on the other modes. And this enables you to at least get a picture. And we are all aware, and also the, 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 the shipper customers, but also the carriers on the other side, are everyone is aware that um, this will only get better over time. So there's a lot of, a lot of times we start and then the, a shipper has um, a handful of carriers or logistic service providers they work together with very closely for a very long time. Here it's a lot easier because it's also about relationships. And if you convince uh, your suppliers to be to get on board and to share data, um, and so you have a good start, but then there will always be a part and then over time it gets better and better and better with every truck with every truck we get on board um the data quality increases and um the results get more precise and also the measured co2 by the way because i i i mentioned before the default values are usually overestimated so also your measured co2 grow, uh, gets lower the more trucks and the more data is added and you get a more realistic view on reality and you can identify potentials for future savings as well. Yeah, I think that's hugely important because <clears throat> what we've seen is that a lot of firms have come out and haven't done the very granular um, calculations and they're making investments. They're making public statements about where they're going to make investments in their um, in their network. And that's dangerous, right? Um, you know, we this conversation went super fast. Um, I want to get your thoughts before we close out on, um, you know, one of the challenges I feel like we've heard in conversation is that they, the shippers don't yet feel like the carriers are fully on board, um, especially in the U.S., right? There's, there's not any government mandate at this point for people to be sharing information. This is really um, because they're passionate about it or because, their customers are asking to do it from social or capital markets or, um, you know, public pressure. What? Let's put aside government regulation um, because we can't count on that, right? Um, what? What do you see? Like, what, how do we get over this hurdle of one, just like the the cultural stigma to sharing fuel consumption data, the potential business risk of sharing fuel consumption data? How do we? How do we soften that blow, or how do we? How do we ease the friction? Um, in that data sharing process? That's a very interesting question. Um, because also on the other side, I very often get from the carrier side, it said, we would do it, but we don't see enough interest on the shipper side, which is which is really interesting because we see also a lot of interest from the shipper side. But in the end, what makes it complicated is that one party has to share data and the other party has to pay for it. And that is usually where we see friction because um if the if the carrier says i'm super happy to share the data i'm also super happy to uh to collaborate on on um uh, on calculating co2 emissions 
but that would increase the price of my service by one or two cents per kilometer. Um, and apparently, very often, the, re the, the reaction from the shipper side is, I am, and well, then, no, don't. Um, so we, we still need to figure that out um, to incentivize everyone to share their data. There's another important aspect on, on what you mentioned is that especially fuel consumption is one of the secrets of the trade secrets of the transportation industry. And we as a data as a service and calculation provider, we act as a trusted third party. So we use fuel consumption to calculate CO2 emissions on a shipment level, but we do not share it. So we do not share any of the information we get from the from the vehicles and from the from the business side of the carrier to the shipper. Um, we only share the calculation results. So this I think this is also really, really important because I think a lot of carriers would feel um, exposed too much um, towards their customers if the customer would receive all of their data and all of their information. And I can understand that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And the reality of you guys providing a service that does two things, well, a lot of things, but <clears throat> it provides that, you know, that buffer between the carrier and the shipper regarding the fuel data sharing. And it also gives an independent, validated third-party calculation that the shipper and the carrier can agree upon, right? That... <clears throat> you're standardizing that value. And I think what we've heard a lot too is that even people within um, the same parts of transportation, for instance, rail companies, um, they would prefer to have a single calculation because they want to all be measured against the same um, yardstick, so to speak. So um, we appreciate you and coming here and talking about the things that you're working on. We could stay on for a while. Um, for folks who want to find out more about tracks, how do they um, reach you? Um, just uh, go on the internet, uh, uh, www.tracks.eco, that E-C-O at the end, .eco, um, or find us on LinkedIn. Perfect. Thanks so much, Dominic. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time and having me.